0: And so now it gives me great pleasure to welcome back Reverend Patrick as he returns from paradise with a little bit of a tan, all smiles. Reverend Patrick Campbell. Thank you. This is
1: paradise. What are you talking about? All right. So, excuse me. I I I, sp- I jumped into the pool in Kauai. We were in Kauai, Laura and I, and, and then I got out and I thought I'd covered myself completely with the appropriate lotions so I wouldn't burn. And I have I looked like a leopard. I'd show you my burns, but uh, it's inappropriate at this point in time. And so, I, if you see me scratching here, everything is healing. So I have this band of red around my my belly that uh, is quite interesting as well. But anyway, Dave, I've been there. So I'm standing here itching is what I'm doing. I mean, for a reason. Anyway, what I'm going to invite you to do in this moment is we're going to we're going to sing a song, and uh, if you'd like to stand and sing that song with me, please feel free. If not, we'll stay seated.
0: <clears throat> in this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. One Spirit is in this, room, in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I'm going to invite you to take your seats now.
1: And so, as we move into our affirmative prayer, I just want to set the consciousness. And it is a subtle activity, affirmative prayer. And it is that subtle level of participating in consciousness, that subtle action that is the most powerful and potent that we have. And yet, it requires such a light touch. And so I'm going to invite you to welcome and bask in the consciousness of unconditional love right here, right now, for self. Put down your ego and personality in this moment and I want to speak to that sweet spot within you and within me to speak from that to that. And it is in that sweetness and in that that openness and in that vulnerability where we stand so beautifully grounded in the strength and beauty and truth of who and what we are that there is nothing to fix and nothing to fear. And so let us melt into this in this moment for this is our true essence. And so what I know in this moment of unconditional love, this perfect eternal moment, is one life, perfect life, Spirit's life. That life is my life. That life is your life right here and right now. And it is a vibration of the Most High and it amplifies all of life. And as we open to it in a new and powerful and wonderful way, wherever there is any sense of lack or limitation, it is healed. Any sense of separation, from our soul, from our body, from our source. That essence, that beauty, that experience is here and now. I stand in the oneness. I know that everything necessary to inform us and to instruct us for myself and for you makes itself obvious and clear in this moment and each moment hereafter. So I continue to move forward in that dynamic state of awareness, of connection, of that divine awareness Revelation, application, and inspiration of divine creativity in and through and as myself. You and I are where spirit shows up. And moving with that mindfulness, we become a blessing wherever we are, first and foremost to ourselves. For this, I give thanks. I celebrate the beautiful music, the beautiful vibration of the Most High that continues to grow, spiraling outward and upward as we come together. With that said, and knowing it is already done in the mind of the One. The right and perfect makes itself clear in my awareness and your awareness. For this I give thanks, and together we say, knowing it is already done, and so it is. All right. We are starting a new uh, book, Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul, by Deepak Chopra. And it's a wonderful book. It's, It's talking about how to create a new you. Which is, I find pretty interesting. You know? I, I've always joked about, you know, when I hit, when I hit 150, 160 years old, I'm going to trade this model in for a new model. You know what I mean? Because I want something to go a little faster probably at that point in time. <laughs> but after reading Deepak's book, it's not necessary. I can do it with this model. So that's great news. Hadn't even thought about it. So a new idea to spring forth. Deepak says in this book, without a doubt, the body needs reinventing to have a meaningful life you have to use your body would anyone disagree with that? I mean we are here in this form and it's been interesting to watch the evolution of consciousness over the centuries is reflective of how the perception and the interaction with the body has unfolded for the consciousness of humanity back in the Renaissance and coming out of the dark ages you know the body was considered uh, not a sacred thing and it was something to resist and something to to endure in many ways, shapes, and forms. And it was reflected in the, the length of lives. You know, if you got to be 30 years old, you were considered, you know, fairly old. The lifespans have continued to increase over time. There's constant feedback that is necessary between the soul and the body. And, and it's interesting because we think of it, or it, it, for a long period of time, and most people think of the soul and the body as being two separate entities, two separate experiences. And the reality is is that they're one, and there's no there is no separation except the separation we create in our own perceptions about it. Since I was a little boy, I can remember many, many times of having that mystical experience of. of of something other than what was, was going on, which kept me engaged in life. I was always intrigued because what I was being told and what I was sensing were two different things. And it was incongruent with the, the information that was available at the time because uh, people, were, people were sharing information that had been shared with them. So generation after generation after generation... And the nature of spirit is you've, you've had people who've had avatars over the years come and, and, and give new insight into the human experience and that has cracked open the, the possibility of a different life, reinventing ourselves. Deepak says, there is no reason to deprive your body of love, beauty, creativity and inspiration. You are intended to experience ecstasy just as much as any saint and when you do, your cells rejoice in it. This scene, I didn't get that growing up. Did anybody get that growing up? Probably not. And it's okay because at the t- growing up I wasn't ready for that idea. But what I understand is that, and I've said it over and over, that spiritual practice is not being harder and harder and harder on ourselves and then expecting to give birth to something grand and wonderful. And that was the approach that I was... I was exposed to as a young boy growing up. There's a, it's interesting what happens with us in terms of creativity and, and what happens with the mind. The mind is amazing. The mind is plastic. And this, Deepak, one of the things I love about Deepak, he brings the science to what we teach. And when I read Deepak, I go, oh my gosh, you know, here's the research. Here's the, the evidence to back it up. Not that I need more evidence, but it's interesting because the intellect needs something to chew on. And so what Deepak talks about in Reinventing Ourselves, he gives the steps here. He says, each skill you learn creates a new neural network in your brain. Each skill that you and I learn creates a new neural network in our brains. Every new thought creates a unique pattern of brain activity. Any change in mood is conveyed via messenger molecules to every part of the body, altering the basic chemical activity of each cell. Not just some of them, every. Any change in mood conveyed messenger your molecules. Every time you exercise, you alter your skeleton and muscles. Every bite of food you eat alters your daily metabolism, electrolyte balance, and proportion of fat to muscle. Your sexual activity and the decision to reproduce affects your hormonal balance. The stress level to which you subject yourself raises and lowers your immune system. Every hour of total inactivity creates muscle atrophy. Your genes tune into your thoughts and emotions, and in mysterious ways, they switch on and off according to your desires. Your immune system gets stronger or weaker in response to being in a loving or unloving relationship. Crisis of grief, loss, and loneliness increase the risk of disease and shortened lifespan. And using your mind keeps your brain young, but not, and not using your brain leads to its decline. So thinking about learning a foreign language... Not a bad idea. Thinking about taking up a musical instrument? Not a bad idea. Thinking about taking a dance class? If you were at our gala, you got to see some rare and amazing moves that I didn't even know I had. I believe that the DVD of that event is on the black market right now and you can, I'm selling them out of the trunk of my car afterwards as a matter of fact. So using these tools, it's listed, and that's on page 8 and 9 of the book. So it's in the beginning. So if you're not going to read the whole book, if you can get through 8 and 9, you get, you get all these. And he says, using these tools, you, you invent your body and can reinvent it any time you want. And so the obvious question is, why haven't we in, invented our bodies already? Reinvented our bodies already? Well, certain, certain, certainly the problems that have been staring us in the face long enough. The answer is that solving small pieces of the puzzle has been much easier than seeing the whole. Medicine is practiced in specialties. If you fall in love, an endocrinologist can report on the decline of stress hormones in your endocrinic system. A psychiatrist can report on your improved mood. And a neurologist can confirm through a brain scan. A dietician may be worried about you losing your appetite. And on the other hand, what you do eat is digested better, and so it goes. No one can provide the complete picture. But it's interesting, because we know these things intuitively. We know these things energetically. He has a a wonderful, let me find it here, yeah, he says that uh, once you realize how many breakthroughs, and this book is about breakthroughs, once you realize how many breakthroughs you'd like to make, the hard part is to choosing where to start. And He gives a whole list of possibilities on the page before. There's probably 30 possibilities of ideas and qualities to work with. And I've always said that, even in in, in our teaching, is working with the qualities. What is it that you want to experience? Because it's always based on a quality. If you're looking for abundance, well, what is the quality? Work with that, because that's the shift at the level of consciousness that will allow the, the doorway to open up. But he says here, imagine you went to see a new doctor and he turned out to be Jesus or Buddha. If you came in with stomach cramps, Jesus might say, well, it's just the flu. The real problem is you haven't found the kingdom of God within. After running tests for heart fluctuations, the Buddha might say, you have some minor blockage in your coronary arteries. But what I really want you to do is get over the illusion of the separate self. And that's the core, that's the core of consciousness that we're at. And it shows up. See, the body is the place where the visible and the invisible show up. And it's a great tool. It's a wonderful thing to be in this body. Isn't it fun? We were just in Kauai. It is, it is paradise. I mean, it was just Amazing. It was an amazing experience. Never been there before. It's the Garden Island. Very, and, and everything shuts down at 9 o'clock, so if you're looking for nightlife, don't go to Kauai. But Laura and I read a lot, we slept a lot. And so we had this wonderful, beautiful, amazing experience. We went uh, The day before we left, we took a kayak up this beautiful freshwater river that comes down out of the mountain. It's the rainiest spot in the world on top of this volcano. And the canyon overlooks this grand... They call it the Grand Canyon of the Pacific. It's this amazing canyon. And at the top of that, there's this, it's raining almost all the time. And then five miles away, it's one of the driest spots in the world. The diversity is just amazing. They have the leeward and the windward sides of the island, which I know what they are now. But the point is so we're in paradise, right? We've, had this, we've been immersed in this beautiful, peaceful environment. And then we get on the plane to come home. And, and, and so we packed our lunch... So we could eat on the plane because they don't. You know, have you, have you been on a plane lately? Because they give you that, that great big heap and bag of pretzels to get on the plane with. There's like three pretzels in there that are all the size of the end of my little finger here, and that's going to keep you going till you get back to the states. So we packed our lunch, and then as you go through customs in Hawaii, they slowly take each piece of the lunch away. Once you get through one, one point, you think, "Oh, great, we're going to be able to have lunch on them," and then they say, "No, you can't take that, and can't take that." Pretty soon you're. They've taken a lot of stuff. Anyway, we get on the plane. And the plane is packed full of people. And there must have been a half a dozen, I would say 18-month-old to two-and-a-half-year-old children. And, and they took turns screaming all the way back. And I brought earplugs. I brought those. In fact, I have them in my pocket. I can show them to you. Because I, I tried to double up on them. I guess I didn't put them in. But... Uh, Anyway, those little spongy ones, and I kept jamming them in farther and farther. And, but, but what I realized is that um, it's almost as if these little ones know. It's almost as if you've you've been in paradise, and these little ones are gonna are, are they are verbalizing the morning of leaving paradise, and so they're preparing collectively, they're preparing the preparing the group to re-enter a different consciousness. And so, rather than do it gradually, what they do is they sort of slap you upside your head for six hours while you ride along with them. And so what was great about it was to be able to have spiritual practice because you either have spiritual practice or you sit there in resistance the whole time. But it, it's fascinating and I think it speaks volumes to how in, in that microcosm of how it's so foreign for many people to stand in that state of grace and that state of peace and that state of calm. And it's not sustainable. Life is not static like that. There are times when when things are happening. And and here are these... And I'm sure... You know, I think that eventually the the half a dozen to a dozen young ones who are on that plane will get back together, maybe not in this lifetime, but another lifetime, and they'll have a beautiful chorus or choir somewhere. (laughs) So they're getting their voices ready. But it is interesting because that's life and that's what we're exposed to. And if we don't understand... Our ability, see, I couldn't go up and, and I couldn't change any of that. It wasn't appropriate and the parents were doing the best. I mean, you have compassion for the parents. You know, it's not, it's not anybody's fault. It's just, it's life and we're all in this space together. But what I could control was, was my response to it. And so I had spiritual practice. I was using the whole Pono Pono cleaning the whole way back. I just thought, you know, I'm going to keep cleaning this. I'm going to keep cleaning this. And then I'm thinking, I'm master of time, space, and dimension. I'm going to bring peace to these 18-month-old kids. And that was a fantasy that I had going on in my head. But what I could control was my response to it. And I realized, but isn't it interesting how there's, there's so much of that that we can we sort of have in our lives, and, and then we're, we're brought out of it by another experience. But it is finding that kingdom within. It is, it is settling back into that awareness and Deepak, one of the wonderful things about what Deepak talks about, there's, I, I'm just, I've, I've reread the first 40 pages of this three times now, and he talks about the uh, the breakthroughs that the body, the body, our bodies are a fiction, and that we're constantly creating in one way, or, uh, shape or form. He talks about uh, Aiden in here, story of Aiden, and he talks about his journey. And he has a a long spiritual journey of of discovery and revelation. And and as he's gone through a certain period of life, he said, You know, I've passed through a lot of phases. I've chased a lot of ideals and I've had many disappointments. Did I get close to God? Question. Do I think I'm enlightened? I stopped worrying about those things. What did you learn then, I asked him. "I I, I got put back together. My life isn't confusing anymore. I know that I have a source. And being close to the source is a million times better than wandering around with no clue of who you are. The key to transformation is that you create the change you want to see in yourself. The key to transformation is to create the change you want to see in yourself. There was an interview uh, I watched when we got back. We had recorded Sunday morning, and I love Sunday morning. It's just a wonderful show, and it's, it was all about animals. last Sunday, and we watched it yesterday. But they had an interview with Dean Kuntz, who's a well-known author. I've never read any of his books, but I'm going to start reading them. He's written; he's a prolific writer. And he said, one of the most powerful things he said in the interview is he said, imagination is a, is a muscle, and it gets better as you use it. And, and, and I think that's so true. That's been my experience with anything, any practice that we, we take on. It's a muscle that we use. Change is a choice, Deepak says. Your body is alive with unknown abilities, but, but it looks to you for direction. We have to direct it. We have to direct it. He's got a, a, he's got a wonderful um, passage in here around subtle activity that I want to share with you. There's five points. And they're, just, they're powerful and wonderful. And I will find them shortly here. I promise you. So on Kauai, as I'm looking for this, they have uh, feral roosters. I don't know if anybody's been to Kauai, but about every mile there's a rooster that got out during the hurricane. Uh, I don't know which one, it's it's an exotic Polynesian name, but the roosters all got out, and so about every mile you have a rooster and you have all the hens, and they're everywhere, and they guard their territory with impunity, is what they tell you. In other words, don't try and get near them, (laughs) because they'll let you know that you have no business trying to... Pat the rooster, so. Subtle action works, and how it works, and Deepak talks about this. He calls these as the subtle action steps, and they're very similar to spiritual mind treatment, if I might throw that in there. Number one, you go inside and you make your intentions known. And if you're not clear what the intentions are, you can go back a few pages, and he's got got a list of probably 30 there to work on. Love. Innocence, grace, vulnerability, resistance, trust, forgiveness, rejection, playfulness, appreciation. its a whole list there to, to get you launched. You go inside and make your intentions known. Number two is you believe in getting results. You believe in getting results. So I'm going to make my intention known, I'm gonna, and I'm going to believe that I'm going to get results. And then what happened my experience has been we do that, and then all of a sudden doubt shows up. The, the old mindset. See, part of it is getting out of the old mindset. But, and so, what keeps us in the old mindset is the doubt and the fear, the resistance. Because the next step is all about resistance. Don't resist the process of change. Because when you have consciousness, everything changes. Not just one thing changes, everything changes. If, you're, if the, the thing that you've come to master is abundance or relationship, you start to master, uh, become more uh, integrated with relationship, everything will change. Just the way it works. It's the way life is so we don't just change one piece of our lives. Everything changes as consciousness changes. And so the one thing may be the one thing that challenges us, but it changes and shifts everything. Number four, the body shifts effortlessly at the physical level. So as you make the shifts in consciousness, the body follows along. Number five, you repeat your subtle action until you have mastered the change you desire. You practice and you practice. And you practice. It well, was very simple. But it requires the diligence and it requires the care and it requires the commitment to continue to do that. And when you forget, when you get on the plane and there's half a dozen to a dozen two year olds screaming like crazy, my, I got to tell you, my first response when I, I thought, I'm trapped for six hours with these kids. Ah! <laughs> and then I realized, ah, isn't going to help. But that's that. That's part of life. That's part of the the experience. And then to pull ourselves back and say, you know what? I'm going to make this the best experience it can possibly be. What is this? What is this telling me? Well, now I know that those set of of um, uh, sound blocking earphones that I've resisted buying because they're so expensive are really a bargain in a situation like this. <laughs> Stop being so cheap. There's enough. These little rubber earplugs aren't doing it. Because these kids are just having they're doing their thing. They're two years old. You go inside and make your intentions known. You believe in getting results. You don't resist the process of change. Your body shifts effortlessly at the physical level. And you repeat your subtle action until you have mastered the desired the change you desire. He continues "The, the Tibetan monks accomplished all these steps. They meditate in order to make contact with higher consciousness. Buddhists wouldn't use the word soul. They sit quietly, trusting that they would reach their goal, and they practice their discipline diligently, keeping the goal in sight. Through subtle action alone, with using no effort or physical struggle, the compassion flowed into them. He says, I remind you of a famous saying in India that wisdom isn't something you learn, it's something you become. Fifty, 50 thoughts... 50 different thoughts per minute. That's 3,000 thoughts per hour, which is the opportunity. And so to pick the qualities, to pick the qualities that you want to give birth to, this is giving birth in, in consciousness, to pick those qualities and work with them, and work with them over and over again. Uh, Jimmy Yee, I've been using Jimmy Yee's material, he's a financial uh, expert on retirement, and he's a local guy, and a wonderful guy, and he spoke at our business breakfast a few months ago, and it inspired uh, something that I'm writing right now, based on his principles, the seven principles, but I've looked at them and shared them in a a number of talks. But Jimmy says that it takes 21 months, you know the the idea that 21, 21 days for a habit, Jimmy says it's 21 months. And so to work with these ideas and principles, we've trained ourselves over and over again, over a period of time, months, years. We've fallen into, I have, maybe not you, but I can only speak for me, it's easy to fall into the traps of habitual thinking. And the way we shift our experience is to shift that thinking. And so it requires, that's the spiritual coin it requires. And if you pick pick a spiritual coin and you decide, this isn't working for me, guess what? You get to pick another one. It's not just a woman's prerogative to change your mind. Guys can do it too. In fact, I'd like you to look at your neighbor right now. Look at them and say, You can change your mind if you choose. Doesn't that feel good? That you have permission from your neighbor to go ahead and change your mind? I'm going to share something about Mark Nepo that I think is wonderful. And it talks, and it's really about. It's really about giving birth to consciousness. It's really about the light. We long for the light. One of the things that I was so clear in, in being in Hawaii, in such, in such beautiful surroundings, is our longing for light. The teacher Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. In fact, in my first church in Fillmore, over the door where it says something wonderful is happening, we had, Ye are the light of the world. And, and I, I still, when I close my, in my mind's eye, I still see that sign. And it inspired so many ideas, it kept me tracking, but it is the light that we long for. As above, so below. As within, so without. In Mark Nepo's book, Facing the Lion, Being the Lion, he says that if chickens don't get enough light, they start pecking at each other. The truth is that humans are no different. Once the pecking begins, we are called to three forms of work. We can stop the pecking, we can heal the wounds, and seek out more light. The eternal squabble has always been which of these efforts comes first, governance and law, medical and social healing, or education. Of course, an enlightened community does all three. But the deeper question is what combination will provide a lasting solution? We don't solve the debate here, but the same dynamics confront us as individuals alone and together. The removal of light causes us to peck at ourselves and each other. Have you been doing any pecking lately? The removal of light causes us to peck at ourselves and each other. Ironically, the more removed we are from light, the less faith we have in its restorative powers. Until all of our energy is spent strategizing how to peck or how to avoid being pecked, and then the first task for any newcomer, regardless of their community, is to learn the pecking order. Before farmers realized it was a lack of light that prompted all of this pecking, we thought it was due to the nature of chickens, that they were loners who couldn't mingle without being nasty. In some quarters, their beaks were clipped, but this only made it more difficult for the chickens to eat. It only made them hungrier, until hunger and lack of light made them peck at each other even more. The parallels are obvious. Profoundly, it is not the free range of our thinking and the depth of our feelings that are dangerous, but that our minds and hearts are often incubated in the dark. We just need to hold each other more fully in the light. So, I've shared a number of ideas with you this morning. And you're probably not going to remember much of it. But what I, my, my prayer and my intention with all this is to create space open enough to hold the light so that you can hear yourself. Because that's where the treasure is, and if there's been a saying or a bit or a piece here that's helped inspire a bit of that, but it really is to continue to move to the light. And so when we find ourselves in a situation, it's how can I bring myself back to the light? Deepak talks about it so beautifully here in this in this book, reinventing the body, resurrecting the soul. He talks about how when we eat food that is in direct relationship to light, in other words, it's not processed over and over and over again, but that things that are nurtured by the sun, how restorative it is for the body. What a blessing it is for the body. And, and to, to, to eat in a way so that because that, that we're, what we're doing in, in essence is eating the sun. And it's nurturing us. Brian talked about it at his concert the other night, about his experience with his diet. And a very committed young man to vegetarianism and finding ways to nurture his body because he's so, he's so t- tuned to that. But about nurturing and returning to the light. Because otherwise we keep pecking. I have a PhD in pecking. It's out with the DVD of my dancing in the trunk of my car right now and we'll stay there but 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 it's easy to fall into that and it's easy just to live in the live in the darkness and to incubate our thinking there's a bigger idea longing to have expression by means of you and i and it's our opportunity each day to either choose that or not choose that that's my choice and your choice so i say let's let's choose the light and epox is the way this is done as well is if it's from a state of joy and relaxation Joy and relaxation. So, take two aspirin, relax a lot more, and call me in the morning.
0: (laughs) So it is.